one helmeted bounty hunter that looked unbelievably cool has spawned an entire, you know, mythology within this bigger mythology, an entire race of people, Fandalorians, you know, it's amazing. And the word Mandalorian never appears in a Star Wars film. So, so it was a real privilege, I think, for myself or my whole crew to be involved in the creation of one of these legendary planets for George. And he was very specific with me on, on so many things. And I'm always glad uh, when he is because at the end of the day, you know, 10, 20 years from now, that's, that's Mandalore, and it, it, when he looks at it, I want him to say, that's what I pictured, you know, and, and I'm glad that, that fans now have the opportunity to see what he was thinking. And I look forward to seeing how what we've done for George with the Mandalorians affects now the future of that history and those people and what other creative people bring to the table to add to the, the, the rich tapestry, which now is this unique Star Wars culture. Hello, Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to num episode number 96 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. We got so much stuff to go over this week. It's crazy. There's the Han movie. There's more Last Jedi stuff. The Rebels is back. Battlefront's coming soon. Oh, my God. There's just, yeah, there's, there's Star Wars everywhere. <laughs> so let's dive in with... I want to keep calling it the Han movie, because that's what I've been calling it, but now it's Solo. So let's dive in with Solo. Han 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 Solo. 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 So, Solo. So, solo, <laughs> solo, no. It's it's crazy. We had to wait like as long as we did for them to just finally give up and just call it solo. Because <laughs> do you think it was always going to be solo, and yes. they just wanted to wait, or yes. they just couldn't think? They were like, "It's gonna, we're gonna have a great name. No one's gonna guess it." And then they just gave up and did solo. It came out 
what, just roughly almost exactly a week after The Last Jedi preview. And I, I was just trying to think that the timing never would have been right at any other time to announce the title because like well they could have announced it at celebration but those guys were probably already doomed by that point like they could have announced it at <laughs> d23 but like they had just gotten fired like the week before or something like that yeah i guess it makes sense they want to wait till i mean i guess they kind of almost waited till filming was done right so or they did wait till filming was done yeah more or less and it, they waited it was exactly the week after the last jedi preview came out you're not confusing people about what Star Wars movie is coming out next. You know, now everybody knows Last Jedi is the next one. And, you know, you can start to make plans for five months after that. To go see Solo. To go to Solo. Two tickets to Solo. <laughs> you can go Solo. To Solo. <laughs> there should be a limbo contest. How Solo can you go? It's like, are you going to go? You going to go to Solo? No, I'm bringing somebody with me. It makes sense. It's it's a it's a good title, but it's weird not having like an old serial kind of title, you know, with just nonsense in the name. When it came out, there was a lot of people like, but you know, I. What else are you going to call it? But yeah, I would have dug like Han Solo at Star's End. Yeah, or, like a like an Indian, more of an Indiana Jones kind of title. Like yeah. So then, if you want to make more Han Solo movies. It could almost be a wink-wink to the Indiana Jones series and be like Han Solo with the Edge of the Galaxy, Han Solo and the Crystal Skull. It works. It, you know, it does. It totally works. But I don't know, maybe that's given away that maybe they're not planning more Han Solo movies or, you know, maybe once we see the movie, we'll be like, oh, yeah, that's why they called it Solo because he plays a guitar solo. <laughs> As soon as he gets the William Falcon, he plays his shredding guitar solo. <laughs> That's the whole, it's the secret of the whole movie, that he's just yeah. constantly riffing. Singing solos. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's, funny, no. it's funny, though, because I, I think, I don't know why it was the title coming out made me think about it, but it was like, as much as I'm getting excited for the Han Solo movie... I kind of wish it was the Lando movie and just had a little bit of Han Solo instead of the other way around. <laughs> just because I feel like Force Awakens is such a Han Solo movie, it would have been cool for like Lando to get a whole movie. They're not going to stop making Star Wars movies anytime soon. I, I'm sure Donald Glover's contract was not just for one movie. so That's true. There's still a chance for Lando. Unless that'll be part two, we'll just be Lando. I would be really into that. There's a good chance of Donald Glover stealing the whole movie. Or Chewie. Chewie's going to steal the movie. It's just, it's amazing they're finally done filming. Yeah. Now that they they could have filmed three movies. Maybe they did. Maybe they filmed the sequel at the same time. Yes. Yeah, like Superman 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Well, they pretty much filmed two versions of the same movie back to back. I saw something that like Woody Harrelson posted on his Instagram. Finally back in the U.S., like when did I was trying to when did they start filming Han Solo? It was before celebrate long before celebration. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say oh it was in the summer, but celebration was in what April, and they had already started. So well, yeah, I want to say like February or March or January. Yeah, it was yeah because because they, they usually start the new movie like right after. Yeah, so it was probably January or February. So 
Low. Low. <laughs> maybe maybe because filming was slow. <laughs> that's how, that's it, it's how you pronounce it is slow. Well, yeah. and also calling it solo remind me of that old rumor Bob Iger saying you'll find out how he gets his name. Yeah. So low. So what's his real name? Is a real name going to be Harrison Ford? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So another cool thing that happened with uh, Solo, it's going to be so weird, (laughs) so weird Solo, getting used to saying Solo is the title. Ron Howard posted a photo a couple weeks ago or something from the set with a couple guys in Imperial gear with the caption tag and bink question mark and the internet completely exploded. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Seems to reinforce that this is definitely a silly, goofy movie. Yeah, they can they can they can stick Tag and Bink in there and it's not seem out of place. <laughs> right. I hope that Tag and Bink, I hope they're like mentioned by name and they actually like are the reason that something horrible happens. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with uh, the upcoming solo. If you want more Tag and Bink stuff, uh, head over to BlastPointsPodcast.com where last week we posted uh, seven questions with Kevin Rubio that I did. I asked him, and we got quotes from him on what he was doing when he read, when he found out that his characters were going to be in Solo. So there was some Last Jedi stuff going on. Good. Beautiful. So pretty much last week we found out some info about all the stuff that, well not all the stuff, but most of the stuff that wasn't in the trailer. In true Star Wars fashion, half of the stuff we found out for real and half of it we found out because there's pictures of of posters and things, (laughs) right? Like... (laughs) We officially found out a little bit about DJ, that they're going to make the comic for DJ. Going to be like a Marvel, just a one-shot comic that's going to come out in January. A day in DJ's life, uh, like right before what happens in The Last Jedi. I don't know. I'm not holding out too much craziness about what his secret identity is anymore. Well, maybe he goes on a mission with a bunch of droids and gets his arm ripped off and one of the droids gives him his arm <laughs> i i'm expecting page one of the marvel comic is him to go to the, the baobab archives and he opens up the door and he says welcome to the baobab archives because i am mungo baobab <laughs> he's the new baobab grandpa that's gonna give him like the the fart gun or whatever <laughs> new yeah. new technology yeah. that's in the Baobab archives. I don't know. Do you, do you have much credit in who the heck this character DJ is supposed to be anymore? No, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> we'll find out soon enough. If he has like a robot foot or something, then I'll be excited, but... There's there's a lot of other stuff keeping me preoccupied with DJ. Maybe a DJ will like I'll be will blow my mind and be my favorite character, but right now, whatever. Laura Dern 
showed up on Ellen DeGeneres show, I believe. And yeah. she showed a photo of her in Last Jedi as Vice Admiral Amilin, or I think that's how you say it, Amilin Holdo. But it's surprising because it's still the same outfit we've seen from the Vanity Fair stuff, right? It's the same dress. That might be her only... Well, no, because she has different clothes on the Lego. I think, you know, we might actually see her in her, like, fighting fighting clothes. I don't know. My favorite part of that picture was just that I'm glad that the, the Space 8 guys are back. Because I was worried that they all died in Force Awakens and we wouldn't get any of them back. So hopefully there's lots of shots of them in the wind. He opens the window in the spaceship so the so his hair can blow. I hope somebody just asks him how he's feeling. How are you feeling, Space Ape? I'm feeling fine. You know, I was actually thinking about, because, you know, Space Ape was there and I had to think about aliens. And I guess we've only seen one movie, so maybe this will change. But it would have been nice if the First Order had some aliens in it. I took it as them being, like, very xenophobic, the way the Empire was. Like, no aliens allowed. Unless yeah. you're Thrawn, but I don't know if he really counts. And Masamita. Masamita was Palpatine's best friend for years. And as yeah. soon as he became Emperor, he's just like, peace out, Masamita. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. I think after coming out of the original trilogy movies, timeline-wise, where there were no bad guy aliens, it would be cool to get back to some bad guy aliens. Because we yeah. just had we just had three movies where there were no bad guy aliens. I mean, so. but yeah, well, what is Snoke? Is he a person? Is he a human? Is he an alien? Nobody knows. He, he's not a snake man, like like we were told. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old days. Yeah, where's where's my eight foot tall snake man? Back when Snoke was a snake man and Luke was a cyborg. Well, Luke's still kind of a cyborg, but well, yeah, when, he, when he had a robot face. Yeah. Oh, man. When he was all cyborg. Man, I almost forgot about those. <laughs> Never forget. Oh, yeah. When the months that went by, we were just, all we had to go on was Luke holding a his cyborg mask. Marvel should do a whole series based on people's cockamamie Force Awakens theories. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe too. Maybe we'll get like where they did the Macquarie line of figures. Maybe someday we'll get like the Buckwild concept art figures, and we'll get a Cyborg Luke action uh, figure at least. I always thought he looked like a uh, Skeletor from the Masters of the Universe yeah. movie. I'll be back. That's not all the Last Jedi stuff, right? We got. I think the the biggest excitement was from. IMAX poster, or is it the? It wasn't the IMAX poster. It's the big like cardboard stand-up things, right? Yeah. Which if if I see that in a theater, I don't know. I might. I got to just control myself. <laughs> I'm just gonna bring one of those little like pumpkin cutter knives you get, like, <laughs> and I'm just gonna cut out that little part. So basically, if you haven't seen it, if you zoom way in in the corner, there's Finn and Rose riding on the space horse, and it is. Amazingly, gloriously, wonderfully beautiful, fantastic. Just imagine people that aren't keeping up with the space horse. If they're like, do 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 do, I'm going to see something in IMAX. Oh, hey, look at the Last Jedi display. Wait, what's going on in the corner? Oh. Why, is, why is John Boyega on a giant space horse? Oh, space horse. Oh, so, so wonderful. Rolling, rolling, rolling. 
Mark Hamill just messing with everyone about Luke going bad again because he's on both sides because there's a light side of the cardboard thing and a dark side and Luke's on both of them. It makes perfect sense that Luke would be on both because it's kind of like he's Kylo. He was Kylo's master and now uh-huh. he's Ray's master. Like maybe the bad side, maybe that's Luke. If Tag and Bank are in the solo movie, yeah, <laughs> then Luke is not far behind. So Rebels was back. Yeah, Rebels is back at its weird time, right? In the middle of the night. (laughs) Part of me, that makes sense. Because before, like, it was like the dirty little secret. If you went on the mobile app or whatever, like for your cable company, it would be on like the day before or something like that, where it seems like they're just being upfront about it coming out at a weird time. But it's still weird for, like, a kid's show to debut at, like, what, midnight somewhere? (laughs) I think it's 11 p.m. for me. Yeah, it was was like 12.30 a.m. for me or something. (laughs) And it's weird, too, because if you're the kid, you can't watch it till the weekend. Kind of, you know? And then it's running all day on, like, a Monday, and then it plays, like, on Monday night, which I guess whatever, but I don't know. It's back. Rebels is back. Regardless, Rebels is back. You know, that's the thing. Who who watches it on? Well, I guess a lot of people do <laughs> on the actual Disney XD. But I feel like most most people I read about like they subscribe to it like on iTunes and stuff, and they just watch it like whenever it's back. Heroes of Mandalore parts one and two. They're out there. So, Gabe, what what was your opinion of Heroes of Mandalore? part one and two i'm torn because there was some cool stuff but as far as a season premiere of rebels especially going into the final season this was probably the dullest season premiere of all of them right i would would, would you agree possibly i want to hear about i want to hear more keep going well, though. if you go back to the the start of the show right we had they went all out and had a little bit of vader with james Earl jones and then the was it the TV version or the whatever the special version? The Emperor shows up at the end. And then what? Season two had Vader again, right? Vader Ahsoka fight. Well, no, season wasn't season two when uh, Vader showed up and fought Kanan and Ezra. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then see, yeah, and then season three started with Ezra messing around with the Sith holocron, making stormtroopers kill each other and stuff. The Ugnaughts. Yeah. Exploding and, Ugnaughts. And we had uh, the Bendu, too, right? He yeah. showed up in mm-hmm. that one. So kind of big deal stuff setting up the rest of the season. This was like, well, if you're really – I guess if you're really into Mandalorians, it was cool to get to see some Mandalorian action. But I think just compared to how big they tended to go with first episodes, it felt a little bit like a middle-of-the-season episode. I like the Mandalorian storyline from Clone Wars a lot. I like Sabine a lot. Sabine is probably my favorite character on the show right now, just because I think Sabine has had, in my opinion, possibly the most character development, character growth, really. Like, she's had yeah. the biggest story and probably the most interesting story in the series so far. 
And so I was torn watching Heroes of Mandalore because I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Wow, we're like finally like wrapping up the Mandalore series from Clone Wars. And, you know, we're talking about Duchess Satine and this is great. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Isn't this show's main character Ezra? And it, it's kind of like how I felt with uh, Twin Sons, but it was just kind of more underlined and circled in this episode where – it's like in Twin Sons, the Obi-Wan Maul stuff was great. Like, really great. Just great stuff and big Star Wars story stuff. But then Ezra's in there. And it just kind of calls to attention and how... I don't know if like they know what to do with Ezra on this show. I'm hoping that as Season 4 goes on, I'm proven completely wrong. And Filoni, being a really smart dude, kind of is like... I showed you, you know, like you you thought I didn't know, but I always know what I'm doing, yeah. which he's done in the past. Yeah. But yeah, watching this and you got all this amazing Mandalorian shooting rocket jetpacks at TIE fighters, you know, stuff of stuff of dreams. And then you got Ezra flopping around. <laughs> it's like yeah, and we're we're it takes a lot to like out goofy us, and Ezra was like borderline too goofy in that one. Yeah, we're, it it takes a lot for for blast points to be like you've gone too far. Yeah. That's too silly. You <laughs> lost me here. Yeah, which I, yeah, when he was just like you know well, I don't want to be a Mandalore, and he's flopping around, and then you go you go back to Clone Wars. Obi-Wan Kenobi openly says he's never flown with a jetpack before. And Bo-Katan is like, you think you can figure it out? And he's like, of course I can. And he takes off. And I'm like, well, if Obi-Wan can figure it out, Ezra, I think you can too. Yeah. You're a Just, Jedi. And he's a kid. Like, kids are better at figuring that stuff out than, <laughs> than old men are. And I'm sorry, I'm watching it. And Kanan goes into one of those sweet, sweet troop transports, right? And he, like, knocks out the lights. And all, all the stormtroopers are like, oh, 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 and, like, he takes them out. And I'm like, why is this guy blind? Like, what what is the purpose of having Kanan be blind? I don't know. I don't know why he wears his mask anymore. I don't know. That's, that's the weirdest thing for me is, like, at first it was like, oh, man, he's, like, all scarred and disfigured. He's got to wear this mask. But then he takes it off sometimes. It's weird, the Jedi, too, that, like, I think I would have liked the episode better if it would have just been Sabine on her own. Because there was a lot of, like, why aren't Kanan and Ezra, like, using the Force or, like, cutting things open with their lightsabers? They're just kind of flying around in the background. And Zeb wasn't there at all. Well, that's, yeah, I think the other thing, too, it's, like, if they're going to do stories that focus on the different characters, that's cool. But it's weird to not have, like, the rest of the family there helping out. Like, it's weird that, yeah, just Zeb and Hera weren't there. Uh, We at least get to see hologram Hera, but... yeah. You'd still would. It's like that was the cool thing about the show is it was like different than Clone Wars where they were jumping around. It's like all about the crew and the the family and the fact that they keep kind of splitting them up is a little weird. As much as I also love all the Mandalorian stuff, I'm thinking like, is this the right way to start the season? Like the only thing I could think, and maybe hopefully I'll be proven right, but maybe I'll be wrong, is that it did feel like one of those kind of things where they're saving all their budget and all the cool stuff for the end so they just started out with like they kind of skimped on the first couple episodes because they're saving it all for later because that was the other thing too is like it makes sense that mandalore looks like that because it's all destroyed but on the other hand it's like they're just in front of a gray background yeah like there's no set or anything 
and even yeah, story wise, maybe they're saving all the big Kane and Ezra stuff for later. But yeah, compared to other season premieres where they kind of set the tone in the conflict of the season, this didn't feel like that. Unless this last season ends up being all about Mandalorians, which <laughs> kind of seems odd. By the time this episode comes out, the next two episodes with Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma and all that will be out. And uh, I heard when they did they did the premiere thing out at Skywalker Ranch. And they showed Heroes of Mandalore Part 1 and 2, and then they f- showed the first part. Or no, it wasn't Skywalker Ranch. It was just Lucasfilm. But anyways, they showed the first part of the Saw Gerrera Mon Mothma one. And people were saying that was the real deal. By the time this episode comes out, it could be a whole different story. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, and I wonder, too, if it's one of those things where maybe this episode originally was in a different part of the season. And they decided to move it to the beginning you know, that happens sometimes. I mean, that happened quite a few times with Clone Wars. Right. Where they would move episodes around. So as much as we're being grumpy about it, there is a lot of really cool moments and things, especially the uh, the couple ties into Indiana Jones stuff. Oh, yeah, that was, was great. Neat. Mm-hmm. The more Indiana Jones references, the better. Um, but I did think it was funny at the end, too, that Sabine wanted to be the better person and didn't kill that guy. And then they immediately blew his entire Star Destroyer up. <laughs> <laughs> with everybody in it you know as much as i dog on ezra he had a really good point too where it's like well sabine created the weapon the duchess to only blow up people Mandal- wearing mandalorian armor and when ezra is like well why don't you just take off the armor <laughs> if i was wearing a weapon where they were like we created a weapon that will only kill dudes wearing star wars t-shirts i'd be like well i don't need it it was good while it lasted, but oh, you know. <laughs> I got some Kiss shirts. I can South wear that. I'll just wear South Bark shirts. <laughs> they still make those with the dogs. <laughs> South the, Yeah, the Phantom Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just wear that stuff. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the weirdest thing every celebration. Next celebration, I want to keep a notepad and how many dog parody Star Wars shirts I see. But I did kind of, I don't know, the part of that kind of made me like uh, Django more. Like, I already, Django's my favorite Mandalorian, even though he's not a Mandalorian, apparently. Um, that it makes him seem like more of a jerk that for how much they love their armor, that he basically just stole some from somebody then. I don't know, unless they've changed that, right? That kind of brings us to our main topic for this <laughs> week's episode. And we're talking about what's up with Mandalore. <laughs> Why was Prime Minister Elmec so rude? How do I learn more about Mandalore? What's the lore of Mandalore? <laughs> Mandalore galore. What is up with Mandalore? Like, what is the deal? Why do we keep coming back to Mandalore? 
Mm-hmm. Where does it come from? What's the deal with it? Well, and also, like I was saying, right, technically people think of Mandalorian as Boba Fett, but if we go by the prequels and potentially what Clone Wars said, right, they're not actually Mandalorians, maybe, mm-hmm. right? No, they're not. So <laughs> what I was wondering, can you think of any other race or culture in Star Wars that's we know so much history or it's been as developed as Mandalorian culture? I wish I could say Nemodians, but <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Nemodian club to start up so I can join. No, people love and are fascinated with Mandalorians by a significant more amount than anything else other than maybe like what Sith Sith legends or yeah, Sith Jedi, but like we don't, I mean, maybe we're going to learn a little bit more in December, but we don't know too much about like where that culture came from. Like officially Mandalore, like where did it get started? Where did the word Mandalore and star Wars come from? And it comes from George Lucas in some of his early drafts, Aqualish and you know how like Utapau was all around for the longest time. There was the name Mandalore floating around in some of his drafts. But then the first time it ever came in anything official in print was in the Empire Strikes Back Joe Johnston sketchbook, which I happen to have right here. And on page 69, where we start to be introduced to Boba Fett, it said, Originally, the Boba Fett costume was intended to be worn by a squad of super commandos, troops from Mandalore, armed with weapons built into their suits. But the costume was adapted for the Boba Fett character by aging, denting, and adding a colorful paint job to one of the suits. So that even kind of references these super troopers from Mandalore go way back. Yeah, because that book's like from, what, 79, yeah. right? 77, mm-hmm. So even... Before Empire was, well, obviously before Empire came out, right? They, <laughs> they have to figure out what's in it before they make it. But pretty much the beginning, Mandalore has been there. Even the old 1979 Bantha tracks, which was like, meet Boba Fett. He was described again as an one uh, Imperial Shock Trooper warrior. Like his armor was from Imperial Shock Troopers from the far side of the galaxy that were wiped out by the Jedi during the Clone Wars. And in an interview, Filoni said all that stuff, because I guess Filoni at some time was like, who came up with this stuff? And Lucas was like, oh, I did. Tell me. It all comes from this glorious head of hair. So, yeah, we always assumed that Boba Fett was a Mandalorian growing up. Like, of course he would be. Yeah, why not? He's got the armor. Yeah, and then the Marvel Star Wars comic issue number 68, there was Boba and a character, Fen. Shaisha? Shaisha? S-H-Y-S-A. And they were Mandalorian super commandos. So then, more proof that Boba's a Mandalorian. And then you had all of the expanded universe years. There was like the Tales of the Jedi comics. And there was like Knights of the Old Republic and all that stuff. And you had Mandalorians fighting Jedi all the time. And during that kind of stuff, the Mandalorians weren't as like high-tech as they are in... Clone Wars, they were more just like scrappy warriors, like Klingons, you know? The the armor was more like just straight up armor because they were kind of like knights kind of stuff, right? Right. A little bit. Then in comes Attack of the Clones, and you got Jango, and we all assume Jango's Mandalorian, which would make total sense. Wasn't he a Mandalorian technically in some of the comics that came out around Attack of the Clones? I believe so, yeah. 
I guess, well, Keati Moody had a daughter too, so everything was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wild, the wild times. And he wore a sombrero to hide his cone head. Uh, but that's a that's another time. Yeah, that's, that's a good story for another time. Uh, yeah. We've we've been threatening that Moondy episode for two years. It's gonna happen yeah. one day. Watch out. Which I remember tripping out when Tech of the Clones came out because it's like, oh yeah, Django, Django's a Mandalorian, and that's why he wants he wants to have a son because it's all about like tradition and like passing on the uniform. And then I was like, oh yeah, because the clone troopers are like descendants of like this forgotten like warrior race and it's going to be like revenge against the jedi and all this stuff like i was just like oh this is great but eh, not so much (laughs) it's a little different now yeah (laughs) so according to dave filoni they're working on clone wars and george lucas comes to him and he's like i want to put mandalorians in the show and then george lucas tells me one day we're going to put the mandalorians in the clone wars and I go, oh boy, that's interesting. Because <laughs> let me show you this. And I move this big pile of material over and I said, this is everything. This is everything <laughs> that the Mandalorians are right now. And so George and I do what we always do when we come across something that I know exists full well in the EU. We go over it all. And so they take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they pretty much rethink the Mandalorians for Clone Wars. And they took for the look of the planet Mandalore in Clone Wars, some of the concept stuff for Chris Christopherson, Christosis from the uh, from the Revenge of the Sith, the art stuff. Which, if you get out the art of Revenge of the Sith book, which also I happen to have right here, and on page 14 and 15, we're supposed to be... Chris Christopherson planet, that's Mandalore. Oh, yeah. I think even page 13. Oh, no, I guess not so much. But, yeah, you're right. Very Mandalore. So the first time we go to Mandalore in Clone Wars is season two, episode 12, The Mandalore Plot. Yeah, and going back to that episode, I was surprised. Like, I had forgotten how quickly in the series they went and started into the Mandalore stuff. Like, in my mind, that was like, Later in this in the series, but like yeah, right, what like season two already? We're right away introduced to Duchess Satine, which I my my personal opinion is a lot of this the fact that Mandalore works as well as it does is because Duchess Satine is so awesome as a character. Yeah, and this interaction with her and Obi Wan and and going with the idea of Anakin's not the only one who falls in love and kind of slips out of the Jedi order a little bit. That That's something that, that probably happens a lot. It's not just him. Like I think about all the time when the eventual Kenobi movie happens, which also will probably be called Kenobi. Um, <laughs> or Ben. Obi. If there's any kind of backhanded sly reference to Duch- Duchess Satine in the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, people are going to be screaming. <laughs> At least two people will be screaming. <laughs> Well, Master Kenobi, my shining Jedi Knight, to the rescue once again. After all these years, you're even more beautiful than ever. How did you go to so you go to Mandalore and right away it just looks awesome. Every it's like every bit of it is like designed 
from elements of Boba's costume. You know, they just mm-hmm. went buck wild with it. It was a neat, a neat twist to kind of change it up where modern Mandalore is trying to be basically completely pacifist to make up for how much they were warriors in the past. Right. So the, it's kind of like going back to like Filoni and like Lucas saying like, well, if you're hardcore with the old EU stuff, we're not saying it didn't happen because all of that could have happened in their old warrior days. And you got all the warrior people and they're like off exiled to Concordia. And that's where you got like pre and death watch and all those dudes. Yep, living on the moon. Living on the moon, bunch of hooligans out there. And they're working with Dooku to overthrow, like, all of Mandalore. Because Dooku and Palpatine, they want Mandalore. And they, they think Death Watch is the way to go. So Pre Vizsla, he's like the boss of Death Watch. And his oldie-timey ancestor, Tar Vizsla, was the first Mandalore to become a Jedi. And he had the Darksaber. Legend tells that it was created over a thousand years ago by Tar Vizsla, the first Mandalorian ever inducted into the Jedi Order. After his passing, the Jedi kept the saber in their temple. That was until members of House Vizsla snuck in and liberated it. They used the saber to unify the people and strike down those who would oppose them. One time, they ruled all of Mandalore wielding this blade. This saber is an important symbol to that house and respected by the other clans. I imagine Sabine was excited to recover it. And that's another thing. Clone Wars did not waste time getting crazy because, you know, the Darksaber was pretty a pretty wild thing to add. And again, right in season two, we're like, yeah. we're going to give you a, a black lightsaber. <laughs> George Lucas just you know, waking up in the middle of the night and writing down crazy notes. I want a black <laughs> lightsaber. Yeah. I want a bunch of Boba Fett on the moon. We're gonna have uh, John Favreau do the do a goofy voice. <laughs> it's like when Lucas is talking about how he made Dave Filoni's life hell for ten years. I want, I want Darth Maul with robot legs, and I want Boba Fett's with a black lightsaber. Make it happen, Dave. I'm gonna take a nap. You got a week to get it done. So there's a couple more episodes, a couple more Mandalore episodes in season two. Duchess Satine gets framed for the creation of Death Watch. They like reject help from the Jedi and the Republic. Palpatine pretty much wants chaos on, on Mandalore. There's this guy, Prime Minister Almac, who's like the biggest pain in the butt of all time. Eventually we get some cool uh, Senate Senate scenes with uh, Satine, right? Mm-hmm. Satine goes oh. to like the Senate. And there's like giant hologram heads saying that like Satine is, is innocent. She didn't do anything. Palpatine is just doing anything he can to get Mandalore. And we can't forget... The Mandalore arc also gave us probably the greatest Orn Free Ta story. <laughs> Everyone's favorite chubby Twi'lek senator. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> so you got to thank the Mandalorians for that. Duchess, you're not eating. I have no appetite. Begging your pardon. You must keep up your strength. By all means, be my guest, Senator. If you insist. So then in season three, we got more Mandalorian episodes. This time, Padme goes to Mandalore. <laughs> and this this stuff is really exciting. Because basically, yeah. since Satine in season two was just like, listen, we don't want the Senate. We don't want the Jedi. We don't want anybody. Mandalore, we're just going to do it for ourselves. And we're not getting involved in your crazy clone war. So they're cut off from trade routes. Well, we're back to trade routes. 
they're cut off from trade routes and they're not getting any food or supplies. So they got to take stuff from the black market. So people are like giving them all their food and like poster putty to hang up sweet posters on their walls from the black market. And some some shady some shady aliens show up, and they're like, oh, "We're gonna give you this stuff. It's poison tea." Oh yeah, one of the uh, the fan favorite episode, right? One of the highlights <laughs> of the season of the series. The longest twenty two minutes you'll ever watch in your life. Yeah, it's on everybody's top ten favorite episode list. <laughs> the, the poison school lunch episode. So after that, they like to figure out what was going on with the poison school lunch. They send Ahsoka to pose as a teacher on Mandalore, like undercover. And there's a bunch of Mandalorian kids, one of which is Satine's nephew, which I, I love that guy because he's always calling Satine, Auntie, Auntie, yeah. I'm with you, Auntie. Me and my friends are very brave, Auntie. So it's revealed that um, that jerkface Almec, he's behind all the bad stuff on Mandalore. And along with uh, the nephew and the, the BMX bandit kids that he's friends with, they put Almec in like this forever jail. And then everything seems good on Mandalore for a while. Yeah, for a, a, quite a while until season five, right? Oh, season five, and then things get out of control. Yeah, well, it's, you know, Darth Maul, he brings trouble wherever he goes. <laughs> so Maul and Savage, 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 the Trouble Brothers. <laughs> Why hasn't there been a pro wrestling tag team? I mean, if Lucasfilm dabbled in pro wrestling... And you just had two guys dressed as Mon Sauvage. It could still happen. <laughs> Write letters to Kathleen Kennedy. I'm sure somewhere there's, you know, Tuesday night wrestling in a gymnasium. And there's been two guys as Mon Sauvage Press. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. So anyways, yeah, season five, episode Eminence. Uh, Death Watch finds Mon Sauvage floating around in space in a spaceship. Bo-Katan and Pre Vizsla go in there and they're like, what are these things? And they fix up Mon's legs and they give Sauvage Press a robot hand. And they figure out that they are instantly best friends because they both really hate Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. It happens. So they, they say, like, we, well, here's what we need to do. We need to join up and we need to go take take Mandalore away from Satine and we got to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's something we have to do. We learned Pre is kind of an idiot, right? <laughs> and he really doesn't know what he's doing and Maul kind of has to teach him how to be a tough guy. Those episodes are really great because I love those Pike aliens with the little faces that were what supposed to be in the live action show. Someday, maybe we'll get live action versions of them. Uh, we get to see the Black Sun, a whole bunch and, of Prince Skeezors. Yeah, a room full of Skeezors. So we need to thank the Mandalorians for that. <laughs> they gave us a room full of Skeezors. It's like a Toys R Us aisle <laughs> in nineteen in the nineties. Nothing but Skeezors. Prepare yourself for Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire. A cruel. Crime Lord Shizor directs the Carbonite capture of Han Solo and his imprisonment aboard bounty hunter Boba Fett's battle-ready Slave One. Maul is like, oh, I gotta get this Almac guy. He sounds pretty cool. And then Almac is telling Maul, like, hey, listen, if you get the Darksaber, you can pretty much take over all of Mandalore. And Maul's like, that's a good idea. So he's like, hey, Vizsla, you and I are gonna fight. And I'm going to take your Darksaber and Vizsla, like you were saying, being kind of an idiot is just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but then that really is, that's, that fight between pre-Vizsla and Darth Maul, that's really great. There's a lot of great in that whole arc. Because, yeah, their fight's great. Even previous to that, when they're fighting the Huts, when you got Maul and Death Watch teaming up 
fighting all the not the well, yeah, pretty much everyone on Tatooine. Don't watch these episodes right after the Rebels premiere. <laughs> Take a day off in between, otherwise. You realize, man, I love Rebels, but man, Clone Wars, when it was good, it was really good. But yeah, going on, the uh, Maul Vizsla fight is great. And even before all that, um, Auntie Satine is like, oh, we got to get Obi-Wan Kenobi out here to help us. He comes out there, things get real crazy. They kill Satine just to make Obi-Wan suffer. Remember, my dear Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan gets put in jail, and Bo-Katan goes and rescues him, and Obi-Wan is undercover as a Mandalorian, and you get the awesome sight of Obi-Wan Kenobi flying around with a jetpack. Could happen in the Obi-Wan movie. Oh. He finds a jetpack. Pretty much the last time we see Mandalore, all hell's breaking loose, everybody's fighting each other, Palpatine shows up. Palpatine's just like, listen, Savage and Maul, party's over, I don't want... Sith dudes rolling around taking control of planets, unless it's me or Dooku. Palpatine shows up and just starts cutting the floor. Yeah. He's so angry. Laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next time we hear about anything Mandalore, it's on Rebels. Ezra's hanging out with Darth Maul, and he's in Maul's little sad bachelor pad on Dathomir, and he finds the Darksaber in that freaky-deaky shrine to all things evil against Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, Satine picture from Mandalore <laughs> yeah. hanging on the wall. And Ezra being Ezra is like, what's this? Ugh. <laughs> Darth Maul pretty much slaps him. So then pretty much they, they have the Darksaber just floating around on the ghost until they start hanging out with Fenral. And Fenral and Kanan give it to Sabine. They're like, hey, Sabine, really, you should have this because you're like Mandalorian. Then that starts the whole great Sabine arc like we were talking about with Sabine learning how to use the Darksaber and kind of thinking then she's got to go back to her mother Clan, Ren and she shows up with the Darksaber all hell breaks loose on Mandalore again. Yeah, and now half the Mandalorians are aligned with the Empire Empire looking Mandalorian armor. White Boba Fett's I have to say too with the season premiere, Sabine's mom has like the coolest helmet I hope more people get her cool little bird ear Mandalorian helmets. It's like an owl. Well, it's cool. To, even in that Joe Johnston sketchbook where we were talking about, like, the pages of Boba Fett, like, there's a big drawing of a Boba Fett helmet with pretty much Captain Rex's eyes on top of it. Like, Joe Johnston drew that back in 1979, you know? He could see the future. Yeah, then we're back into Heroes of Mandalore, and they're going to rescue Sabine's father... I think Sabine's father could have spent some more time in jail. <laughs> to toughen him up a little bit. Well, as soon as he gets out of jail, it's like, you've grown so much, Sabine. And she's like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm fighting with the freaking Darksaber now. Can you believe it? And he's like, no, as an artist. Yeah. I was literally sitting there watching that being like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's funny because, like you were saying earlier, like, at first when the show started, the whole series started like i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like sabine she seems a little too like 
maybe because we went to art school. It's like it's too close to home or something. But then over the course of the of the series, it's like, oh yeah, I really like Sabine. She's pretty cool, and everything. The art stuff was kind of done pretty pretty well throughout the show. But then yeah, all of a sudden, her dad's like turning into art professor. I don't know. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. It's like you look like Bale Organa, but you're not as cool. <laughs> You're like every horrible art professor we ever had. Yeah. So finally at the end, Sabine gives the Darksaber to Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan, at the end of Heroes of Mandalore Part 1 and 2, unites all the clans of Mandalore once again under the sister of Duchess Satine. And I think the Mandalore story has come to an end for now. So what does all that have to do with Boba Fett? Nothing. Nothing. Other than what, at some point, the one guy disavows Django. I don't know. I've, has Dave Filoni ever said anything? Like, I did find it interesting that Death Watch was basically looks like Django's armor, though. I would love for one day. No, I say I would love for that one day for that story to be told. But also, I like, like we were saying episodes back, I still like that Django and Boba are rooted in mystery. Yeah, they're their own thing. And they're kind of jerks because they stole Mandalorian armor, which is like the most precious thing to Mandalorians. But here, here's a question for Rebels for you, because I was thinking this this hit me weird at the end. Do you think it's weird that Sabine, after all the buildup, just gives the Darth Saber away, the Dark Saber away to Bo-Katan? Do you think that's going to be the end of it and Bo-Katan is the leader or they're just setting us up for Bo-Katan to die and Sabine have to reclaim her? destiny as leader of the mandalorians i think it's gonna stay i think bo katan even back in clone wars she was the one who should rule mandalore and i like it because it's it's kind of like mandalore's warrior past and the duchess satine past and an unknown future all coming together at once she's got a little bit of satine in her she's got she used to be a member of death watch it's it's like a proper Mandalore coming back with like warrior and pacifist and a new direction. And she's like related to the former Duchess. So she's like Mandalorian royalty or something. Yeah, that's true. That all makes sense. But is it weird? Like, then what is where does Sabine going to go? Like, it seemed like they were building up for her to kind of, you know, that was her destiny to have the Darksaber. And now. I think if if she keeps if she stays alive, which I hope she does, I think she's going to keep being a rebel. Or like we kind of saw in like the the Force of the Destiny cartoon, she's you know out there doing missions, like giving plans to Princess Leia. And isn't there's a there's a Force of the Destiny coming up where it's like Sabine and Jyn Erso? Yeah, that's true. So basically, her true calling is to be a rebel and not. They got to bring back the Auntie Kid. Auntie, what's his yeah. destiny? Maybe he'll be in Forces of Destiny. <laughs> For, forces of auntie. Yeah, well, is Bo-Katan technically his, technically his auntie, too? Yeah. Auntie! Right. They haven't announced the next uh, animated show. Maybe it's all about uh, auntie and me. <laughs> what do you want, you traitor? I would never betray you, Auntie Satine. I'm here to rescue you. Corky! If you need a refresher on the Mandalore episodes, you know, the Clone Wars are still on Netflix. Go check them out. Even check out the poisonous tea one. It's worth it, maybe. <laughs> and they have nothing to do with Boba Fett.
Kenner's Star Wars collection comes the Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain, with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packs at participating stores. Offer ends May 31st. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Yeah, so iTunes review. We say it every week. Once you're done listening to this, if you're listening on iTunes or something, Apple, whatever, head over there after you're done listening. And if you rate the show and write something, we'll read it in an upcoming show. We got a couple reviews waiting to go that we'll be getting to hopefully probably next week. Yeah, and it never hurts yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it never hurts also to, uh, aside from leaving reviews, to spread the word about Blast Points. Share, share us out on social media of your choice and yeah, tell, tell your friends, tell your family, write our name on the wall in the bathroom. <laughs> you can you have plenty of time to plan for Thanksgiving and how you're gonna bring up to your family that everyone should be listening to Blast Points podcast. Go to Starbucks and write our write our name on all the gift cards <laughs> when people buy them. Oh, Blast Points. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget to check out blastpointspodcast.com where we got more stuff you can get shirts you can listen to the theme song you can send us an email you can write us a letter there's an address on there you can ask (laughs) us we'll give it to you (laughs) you know and don't forget to check out our facebook page instagram twitter and that about wraps up number 96 here what's up with mandalore i think we figured it out do you feel like we figured it out what's up with mandalore i think so there's a lot going on with mandalore Who's the man, Delore? (laughs) (laughs) On that note, that's about it for 96. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Together, 
too bad about Duchess Satine. I'm glad Bo-Katan has the Darksaber now and united all the clans. Thanks for listening to Blast Points!